Hey, hey, and g'day. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for taking some time out of your day to give me a listen. I'm Darren, and this is another edition of the My Guest List Pod Review and Recommend Series. Unlike my main show, where I speak to other podcasters about their work and we have some fun counting down a top 10 of their choosing, these are brief episodes where, wonder of wonders, I review and, more importantly, recommend a show that I have found interesting or entertaining. Before I get to this week's recommendation, though, if you would like to get in contact with me or submit suggestions and ideas for the show, you can get in touch at my guest list pod pretty much everywhere you look. So this week's recommendation is perfect for anyone that is thirsty for knowledge, but prefers the Cliff Notes version on a subject, or what you would probably call the TLDR version nowadays. Essentially, a brief statement of the main issues or important aspects of a topic of study. Or it could just be that you don't like long-form podcasts, or you have a short attention span. Who knows? No matter what the reason, the podcast three-minute lesson is perfect for you. Each episode of 3-Minute Lesson is devoted to exploring an area of study in a succinct short-form presentation that in itself is also part of a larger theme. For example, one of the themes they have explored recently was medical procedures. In that series, there were episodes on spinal fusion, coronary artery bypass, tonsillectomies, appendectomies, and caesarean sections. Other themes have included epidemiology, cloning, reproduction and survival, and money and politics, just to name a few. The shows are well-produced, have excellent audio quality, and as you would expect, well-researched. As of recording, they have produced 452 episodes over roughly two years, and they generally release episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So, why do I like these shows so much, considering I'm more likely to put on a Dan Carlin podcast and deep dive into the Cuban Missile Crisis for six hours? rather than listen to a cursory explanation of why we have income tax? Well, the answer to that question is pretty simple. Firstly, sometimes three minutes is all you need. For example, their series on holidays was able to quite adequately explain the origin stories for many major holidays, all within the three-minute time frame. Of course, you could explore these holidays in more detail if you were so inclined, but honestly, I didn't see the need to do so after listening to their shows. Also, by listening to 3-Minute Lessons, I get to understand a topic better with minimal time expenditure. We don't all have the time to deep dive every topic under the sun, but with this show, I can become aware of the more important aspects or questions pertaining to a given subject, so that when someone asks me my opinion, I'm at least aware of what the main issues are or I have a broad understanding of what's involved, making me look and sound way more worldly and erudite than I actually am. And who doesn't want that? Finally, 3-Minute Lesson is great for giving you somewhere to start, and by that I mean it can pique your interest in an area of study that you hadn't considered before. Not only that though, it also gives you a heads up on where to look next to do your own research, stating studies, scientists, and luminaries in their fields whose work you can follow up on. Its little bits of information are like signposts that direct you to where you should look next. Here are a couple of random episodes from different themes for you to try out and see what you think. Enjoy. This week's theme, archaeology. Today's topic, the Rosetta Stone. Rudimentary Egyptian hieroglyphs first appeared at around 4000 BCE. 
Hieroglyphic script is one of the oldest writing systems, rivaled only in age by Mesopotamian cuneiform script. Throughout the over 3,000 years of ancient Egyptian history, the hundreds of logographic hieroglyphs were the formal writing system. But there were also script styles for writing on papyrus. For non-formal and non-ceremonial writing, ancient Egyptians used hieratic cursive, which simplified the formal hieroglyphic symbols. Alexander the Great conquered Egypt in 332 BCE and founded the Greek-based Ptolemaic dynasty. This was the last dynasty of ancient Egypt before it was conquered by Rome. The Greek Ptolemaic kings of Egypt were not native Egyptians and could neither speak nor read the Egyptian language. During the 600 years of Roman occupation, hieroglyph literacy waned in the Egyptian population. The last hieroglyphic inscription was made in 394 CE, but by about 500 CE, no fluency remained. In 1799 CE, Napoleon was trying to capture everyone's favorite historical prize, the lands of ancient Egypt, out from the Ottoman and British empires. During a stop in the Nile Delta city Rashid, also known as Rosetta, a French lieutenant noticed a giant slab of rock with an inscription in three languages, formal ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs, a later version of ancient Egyptian cursive, and ancient Greek from the Ptolemaic dynasty. The first two were indecipherable, but the third, Greek, was. The Greek text on the Rosetta Stone was first translated in 1803. Essentially, the stone was a widely distributed municipal announcement from 196 BCE, pronouncing the power of King Ptolemy V. It would take two further decades to decipher the Egyptian texts. First, the intermediate Egyptian cursive was deciphered, guided by the known formal names. By 1822, parts of the formal hieroglyphs were deciphered. This was a challenging code to crack because some hieroglyphs denoted sounds, while others represented words or ideas. The Rosetta Stone provided the first method for deciphering some, but not all, ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs. Other discovered pieces of bilingual or trilingual hieroglyphic writing fully informed its vocabulary and grammar. Today, we can translate over 1,071 hieroglyphic symbols, which immeasurably expanded our knowledge of ancient Egypt. The Rosetta Stone, though its content is unimportant, provided the key to deciphering the first hieroglyphs. You can visit it today in the British Museum in London. This has been your 3-Minute Lesson. Self, a side series of 3-Minute Lesson. I sequenced my genome. Let's see what it has to say. Today's episode, Neanderthal DNA. Neanderthals, Homo neanderthalensis, are an extinct species of modern human. They are called a subspecies because modern humans could and did interbreed with them. Today, most people outside of sub-Saharan Africa, including myself, have some Neanderthal ancestry. Over one million years ago, the shared ancestor of modern humans and Neanderthals, Homo erectus, was mainly residing in Africa, although groups did migrate as far as Indonesia. Somewhere between 500 to 800,000 years ago, a group of ancient humans that we call Homo heidelbergensis broke off and migrated into Europe and Asia. This Heidelbergensis group would eventually diverge into the Europe-inhabiting Neanderthals and the Asia-inhabiting Denisovans. Around 200 to 300,000 years ago, anatomically modern humans emerged and also migrated out of Africa. 100,000 years ago, Neanderthals would have been the predominant type of human in Europe. 
to date, we have uncovered more than 300 Neanderthal remains from Great Britain to Spain, Turkey, and as far as northeast Kazakhstan. The bones convey that Neanderthals were a few inches shorter and more muscular than modern humans, but were by all evidence very intelligent. They made art, musical instruments, innovated complex tools, made boats, took care of their sick and elderly, buried their dead, likely had forms of religion, and probably used complex language. The youngest Neanderthal remains are 40,000 years old. This means Neanderthals and modern humans coexisted for at least 100,000 years. The old theory is that modern humans actively killed or outcompeted Neanderthals to extinction. But recent genetic analysis of Neanderthal remains indicates they, at least partially, merged back into modern human populations. Today, we have three high-quality Neanderthal genomes. We have learned that 20% of the Neanderthal genome is preserved in modern humans, and that Neanderthal genes can be both beneficial and deleterious. Next time, we will talk about how Neanderthal DNA is associated with severe COVID-19 symptoms. Some health and ancestry tests query Neanderthal ancestry. My Neanderthal ancestry is particularly high, above the 95th percentile among the user base. Some Neanderthal traits I inherited may influence fear of heights, sense of direction, or propensity for dandruff. Together, this shows Neanderthals are not just an ancient, separate group of humans. They were my, and perhaps your ancestors. This has been me, investigating myself. See you next week. So if you have a spare three minutes, waiting for a bus, while you're in line for a coffee or sitting on the throne, why not educate yourself a little and listen to Three Minute Lesson? That way, the next time you're asked about the difference between marginal and flat taxation, or who Henrietta Lacks was, you'll be able to confidently give them an answer, look smug and impress all and sundry. And again, who doesn't want that? Anyway, for whatever reason drives you, please give this show a listen and let me know what you think. Next week, I'm back with another interview show. And heads up, it's another long one that will involve your thoughts, feelings and emotions. Please follow, subscribe or rate and review where you can. And if you have a show that you think I should listen to, don't hold out on me. Send me a message and tell me about it. Also, if you're now listening to a show that I have recommended, tell me about that as well. That would be uber cool. All my links are also in the show notes each week, so you can check there as well. And as usual, I'll chat at you again next week.